pray that you would um, touch the hearts and the minds of the folks who are here today. Help them to, to know you through uh, hearing your word. Um, help them to worship you through through hearing your word and applying it to their lives, Lord. Um, I pray that uh, anything that would get in the way of that, any anger, any frustration, any worry, any any selfish motive, any anything, Lord, that it would be taken away and that your spirit would move in just a huge way and and um, just just be manifest in the lives of the folks who are here and um, be with me as I pray as I preach the word this morning. Help me to help me to not get in the way or to preach my version of the message, but help me to be faithful to the gospel and, and to the text that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, so uh, for what am I forgetting something? Oh, uh, if you have small children who have trouble paying attention or might um, need something to entertain themselves, Jessica has crayons and coloring pages. And so if you need something to entertain yourself, Kasten, uh, you can raise your hand now and get some crayons. And, dude, I've been waiting for you to be in church on Sunday so that I could do that for, like, years. I... <laughs> and... <laughs> um, those of y'all who uh, who know me well know that before I came here, I was a I was a youth pastor for about 14 years, and I was a chaplain in a in a in a mental health facility. I worked with with kids who who oftentimes had very little exposure to the scriptures and very poor experience with with Christians in general. Generally, you know, they approached Christians and felt judged or found it very difficult to interact with them. And so I developed a bunch of little things I would do to break the ice with new people. And, and one of those things, um, and, and, and Mark's probably here somewhere, I'm sure, and he'll know what I'm talking about. I, I would tell stories, like I would start out like these Bible study sessions with these like gang kids or whatever, and I would tell stories um, from movies or TV shows as though they had happened to me. And I would see how far I could push it before they caught on. And, and like this is, like I did The Lion King once. Like, I told the story as though I was Simba. I, obviously not lions, but, but I, I told about my uncle who killed my father and how I had to run away and hi, into hiding for several years. And when I got to the Hakuna Matata thing, it was pretty obvious. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the Lion King. How you, you know, or the Goonies. I did that once. Um, when I first, it was probably the first year I was here, I did a Bible study with a group of guys up in Haver, and Mark uh, drove, like, three hours to get there. Um, and I, I, as we were getting ready to start, I started telling the story about my, my uncle who won a Congressional Medal of Honor in Vietnam and, uh, how he was, how he was with his unit on patrol and they were ambushed and he, he basically ran and he ran out of the, out of the ambush and realized he was all alone. So he, he ran back into the combat looking for his best friend. <laughs> And, and he found injured men and carried them out until he found his best friend who was dying there. And he carried his best friend dying. As he was carrying him, he was shot and injured. And, and, and he, he got the Congressional Medal of Honor for it. And, and Mark asked, well, where was he injured? Said, well, he was shot in the buttocks. <laughs> and Mark, oh, my gosh, that's Forrest Gump. I hate you. I, uh, oh, my gosh. I've heard Mark tell that story so many times. And it's, it's worth it now just to hear him tell it because it is so funny to hear him tell the story. Um, but the thing is, I can't do that anymore because I start telling stories, even if they're true, and Mark kind of looks at me and says, really? <laughs> really? 
Um, and, and what we're going to be talking about today as we kind of work into the gospel or the John's letter to this, this group of churches is, is sort of the ability to pick out the truth versus not the truth. Everybody with me? Um, Mark knows better, right? I will never get Mark with that joke again. Um, Mark played several pranks on me since, and I don't believe anything he says anymore either. But I'm afraid of his wife. Um, ask him about that later. Uh, or her. Um, so as we dive into John, we're going to be talking about, and I'll come back to my illustration, it'll make sense, it fits, um, but we're going to be talking about discerning what's true and what isn't. And a little background, we've been working our way through First John, and this is actually the last sermon in First John we're going to do, um, and we're going to do Christmas. So like starting next week, as soon as I figure out what we're talking about for Christmas, we'll start Christmas, which will probably be just a spoiler, it's probably going to be Christmas-themed. I thought about starting this week, but it's not Thanksgiving yet, and I'm not a department store. <laughs> That's funny. Come on, that was funny. Um, so, a little background. Um, John is writing this letter. John is one of the original 12 disciples. He was one of Jesus' followers. He was the only one who followed Jesus to the cross. All the other ones abandoned and went into hiding. And John went with him to the cross and, like, watched Jesus die on the cross. John is the only one of the original disciples who died of natural causes. And he was fairly old as he wrote this letter. This is a very late letter in the church's history, probably, like, around 90 A.D., um, he is the very last one alive. Um, and John is writing to address a group of false teachers that were in this church or this group of churches. It's not clear if it's one church or if it was several. Um, but this letter is to address these folks. And what these folks are doing, like they'd been a part of the church and they'd broken away. And um, they were teaching some things that were sort of out in left field. And John has up until this point like hinted at it and hinted at it and hinted at it. And now he's going to kind of address it straight on. Um, that he's writing about these teachers. He's mentioned three tests up until this point. He says, listen, if you want to know that you belong to Jesus, if you want to know that you're really following Jesus, these aren't tests to test other people, by the way. It's not like you look at somebody else and you say, let me see how you match with these tests. Um, these are like, so you look at your own life and you say, am I walking with Jesus right? But you can actually, to a degree, you can look and say, this person who's teaching me or this person who's preaching to me, are they telling me the truth? Like, Mark has learned better, right? Mark knows that if I tell him a personal story, I'm picking on him. You're holding your tongue. I appreciate it, Mark. Um, <laughs> um, but this is John, so it's not me. Um, so he, he talks about, listen, look at yourself and you say, um, am I obedient? And actually, this is like a part of the deal. If you're following Jesus, like one of the things that Jesus talks about is, listen, I'm teaching you all this stuff so you can learn how to be my follower. And when we looked at that a few weeks ago, it's sermons online if you want to listen to it. Um, the, uh, the obedience thing is about like, like a relationship with Jesus. Like we, we know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus because he explained it. Right? Like, um, love God and love your neighbor is one of those things that Jesus taught. Um, don't lust after women you're not married to is one of those things that Jesus taught. Because, like, we're supposed to um, live a certain way, and this is the standard for that relationship. Um, if I was going to compare it to anything, I'd compare it to being married. Right? I am married. One of the agreements we have is I don't hit my wife. Right? I break that agreement. She'd probably break my legs. 
Um, but like, like that is a rule for our relationship. When Jesus taught, he taught things. This is how you have a relationship with me. It's not do these things or go to hell, right? It is this is how you know me. Um, the test of love and John, or Jesus, this is the last time we talked about this, where he says, listen, if you are a person who does not love his brother, probably not in the right place with God. Everybody got it? If you hate your brother, something's wrong. If you um, have nothing but nasty things to say, if you mistreat your brother, if you act like in a hateful way, that's a test. This week we're going to talk about the test of perseverance, which is this, we'll get into it, but like it's this final test, and it's actually a standard that he sets out that that these guys follow. Um, So we're starting in 218. Dear children, and some of y'all remember this, it's like, dear children is how he started the last section, right? And it's a very, like, affectionate term, but it's a reference to the whole church. He's not addressing one or two individuals. He's talking to everybody now. So, dear children, um, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. Now, this needs a little unpacking. Um, the last hour... Like, there are some folks who would look at that and say, well, obviously John was wrong, because that was like, you know, what, 1,900 years ago, and the world didn't end. John's understanding of the last hour is the creation of the world up until the point where Jesus shows up. Jesus lives this perfect life. He carries the sins of the world to the cross. Like, he's horribly abused and dies in our place. So, like, every wrong, rotten, awful, wicked thing you've ever done, Jesus gets punished for it. And it's like when God looks at Jesus on the cross, he doesn't see Jesus, he sees our sin. And when he looks at us, if you are a person who is in Christ, if you are a person who is following Christ, if you belong to Jesus, he looks at you and he says, he sees Jesus' righteousness. So like Jesus' permanent record becomes attached to us as his followers. And so when he says the last hour, he's talking about everything from the point where Jesus is resurrected and the new beginning happens and the kingdom becomes established. The kingdom is like the realm of God's influence in the world, right? This is the last stage of the, of the creation, right? As the kingdom expands and becomes like established in the world, it will not ultimately be perfected until like the end. But like he's saying, the last hour, the last hour refers to sort of this last stage of existence, the last stage of the creation before God sets it right. Um, and so that's what he's talking about here. So he says, this is the last hour, meaning this is the time. And how do we know it's the last hour? Because there are antichrists. Now, antichrist is a word that John, like, coined, right? And it means against or false. So, like, it could refer to somebody who is a false Christ who comes along and says, hey, I'm God's chosen one. There are folks like that all the time, actually. Um, there are several of them. There's one real big in England right now. There's one real big who's got a huge following down in Australia. These people who show up and say, I'm, I'm the Christ. I'm the chosen one. And in reality, they're just not, right? And Jesus warns about that in his own teachings. He says, hey, in the days to come, there will be people who stand up and say, I am he or there he is. Don't believe them. Jesus is it, right? You can't undo that. Now, there's sort of this understanding. It starts out with the Jewish folks, like in Jewish theology, And Jesus talks about it, and then John talks about it at length, and Paul addresses it. This idea that in the very end, there will be one man or one woman who is the Antichrist, the opponent of Christ in the world. But John refers to many Antichrists, which means there are many people who are opponents of Jesus or opponents of the gospel. And in this case, what he's talking about is folks who have come along and are teaching something that is contrary to the truth. Everybody with me? Um, 
people who have, in this case, um, people who took the gospel message and they said, this is really cool and we like it, but if it could be more like, specifically in this case, the Roman mystery religions. In, in the ancient world, the Roman um, Romans kind of ruled the world. They kind of conquered everything there was. And there were these things called mystery religions where you could belong, but there were all kinds of secrets and they didn't have written text and stuff like that. And these guys came along and they were saying, these things are so popular. If we just made our message more like what's popular, that would be better. And so they made all of these adjustments to the teachings of the gospel, and they started teaching them. And this is the very beginning of what would be called the Gnostic movement, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. If you want to read about it, it is kind of nuts. Um, anyway, I don't want to get off on that tangent. Um, and so John is talking about these antichrists, these guys who are out there teaching things that are contrary to the gospel, contrary to the Christian message, contrary to... Um, what they had received already. And so this is how we know that it's the last hour. He's saying, listen, this is proof. There are guys out here who are opposing Christ and teaching contrary to Christ and, like, fighting against Christ, and that's a sign that we're in the era where, like, Christ reigns, right? Because you can't have an enemy without, like, an our side. So he says, because there's an our side, this is the last hour. So, and we're still in the last hour, folks. Um, so 19, they went out from us, but that they, but... They did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, I, I, this is the um, ESV, English Standard Version. Um, I, I, the literal word-for-word translation, which we don't often use because um, sentence construction in the ancient world is really difficult, and Greek is a really weird language. Literally, what he says is, for if they were from us, but they weren't, they would have remained with us, but they didn't. Um, literally, he's saying, these false teachers, they were one of us. They were st- stood amongst us. They got the same teaching as us, but they didn't stay. They left. If they had stayed, it would have been a sign they were one of us, but they departed. Not only did they depart physically, because they've gone off and started their own like movements, but they also departed from the teaching that was like like the core, right? Um, there's a really famous preacher right now. Uh, he's not a preacher. I think he's just a just a teacher. Um, his name is Bart Ehrman, right? And he was raised in a very like like uh, traditional Christian home, and he uh, went to Wheaton College. Wheaton is was founded by Billy Graham, right? Like it's one of those super like down the line theological things. And at some point in time during his college career or during his seminary career, Bart Ehrman decided that God probably didn't actually exist. And there was a Jesus, but Jesus wasn't who the book says he is. And so he started teaching. And, like, he's written hundreds of books, and he's very popular and all that. Um, But for the most part, what he teaches is Jesus was just a guy, and, like, he never talked about being God, and, like, all of this stuff was made up later. And, you know, you can sort of prove where Bart Ehrman is wrong, but he's very popular because he preaches a message that's very popular in a secular age, right? When folks say, well, God isn't real... Bart Ehrman's popular, right? Because he's taken Christianity and made it fit a popular perspective. Um, there are other versions of this we see, right? Like where people have gone out from us. Um, anybody who tells you that Christianity is ha- about like having your best life now, it's not that. Or like follow Jesus so you can make a lot of money. That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible is very little about like how you can become rich by following Jesus, right? It's just not there. 
Um, or folks who will come along and say, Jesus wasn't really God. Jesus wasn't really from the beginning. Jesus was like just some guy. Or Jesus was a creation of God. Or Jesus is actually an angel who came to earth. Like there's another very popular that Jehovah's Witnesses teach that. That's not really what the Bible says, right? Like it's a variation on those themes. And that's a departure, Right? That's an opposition to this central message that Jesus is God's son who died for us. Right? That Christianity, like the whole faith, is about being forgiven for our sin. It's about being made right with God and becoming what we were meant to be as God's children. Like by following Christ and being conformed into his likeness, being changed from the heart outward, and about establishing like, like the kingdom around us by like implementing Christ's teachings by being Christ-like toward each other. I mean, this is what he is talking about. But there are all sorts of folks that have departed this, and it happens still today. There are all sorts of folks who oppose the message of Christ either by trying to turn Jesus into something he wasn't, eliminate Jesus from the equation altogether, change the teachings, change how you're saved, change, I mean, all of this stuff. Ultimately, um, what John says about that is, he says, listen, but... You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Now, an anointing, John is like this super Jewish writer, right? John's writing is like his gospel is the most Jewish of the gospels. He is like huge Jewish background. And so when he says, um, you have an anointing, we kind of got to pick up all of this meaning. In the Old Testament, folks were anointed. You would come along and you would put oil on somebody's head, right? And that was how you anointed them. And it was how you became king, right? Or it was how you became a prophet. A prophet is somebody who stands like in God's behalf and speaks for him. Right? It was a really difficult job to have. Most of those guys got their heads cut off or got beaten to death with rocks or sawed in half or something along the lines. Like It was not the job you wanted to have because the retirement plan was fairly difficult. Um, he says, listen, the, the Jewish meaning of that and then the Christian meaning of that would be a reference to this idea of the Holy Spirit coming into us. Right? Like being filled with the Spirit, meaning God's Spirit um, lives inside us and changes us. Makes us alive where we're formerly like spiritually dead. Changes our hearts. Makes us capable of overcoming sin. Makes us capable of loving our neighbors when we would really rather hate them and gossip about them, right? Um, the Holy Spirit does that. And that's this anointing he's talking about from the Holy One, which is Jesus. Like So Jesus, because he refers to Jesus as the Holy One repeatedly in this text, um, So Jesus, the Holy One, fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we can know the truth. When we know the truth, what he's saying is we know God, right? We know Christ. This isn't just an intellectual knowledge. This is a, like, deeper knowledge. I know my kids, right? I know my kids in a way that reading a book about them would not make possible, right? I I know Michael. I've spent hundreds of hours talking to Michael. I know Michael in a way that, like, I couldn't read a book about him and know him. I just... We're friends, right? This is how it is. Um, And he's saying, listen, you know the truth. That knowledge of truth is a personal, experiential, like deep-seated thing um, that's rooted in the scriptures as part of it, right? Rooted in God revealing himself, but also in like the spirit teaching us. Because there are folks who will learn the gospel and like never really know it. Um, Some of y'all have met folks like this. These are people who like say all sorts of things about Jesus, but like, are hateful and horrible. You know what I'm talking about? Or are wicked and mean. I had a I had an, a great my grandmother's sister, I think, 
my uh, my my parents or my mom was born in Germany, like um, right after World War II. But my grandparents were in Germany during World War II, and at the end of the war, they were snuck across the lines, like like had to walk through minefields and go over barbed wire fences, and like they they paid a guy to move them across the line. And he abandoned them, and they ended up being like snuck out of out of Soviet-occupied Germany by a group of nuns. It's a really crazy story. Um, but in the end, they met at the train station. They met this great-grand-aunt, or whatever you would call it. And she was like a religious person, carried her Bible everywhere and quoted it all the time and was one of those people. But when she met them at the train station, she wouldn't walk next to them because they were dirty. Right? See, that's the separation. See what I'm saying? These are folks who know book knowledge, but there's a separation. There's a break that takes place. Um, so, um, John says to him, look, you guys have been filled with the spirit by Jesus. You know, the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth, meaning John saying to him, listen, I'm writing you this letter, not because you're lost, not because you're broken, not because you're mistaken, but because you got it nailed down. And because you know that truth is not steeped in the same lies that you're being told by these other folks. These folks that are around you, that are breaking up the church that you're in, that are creating all this division, that are teaching crazy stuff, that are pulling people away from the gospel. Like, there's no lie that's coming out of you because you know the truth. Because the Holy Spirit has put this truth in you. This is a truth that's, like, embedded in the scriptures. Like, you got it nailed down. Um, Who is the liar? There's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father. So John offers up this final thing here. He says, listen, how do you know you get it right? Like, how do you know you're in the right spot? Well, anybody who denies that Jesus is God's Son who died for our sins, right, and that we're saved by faith in him alone, Anybody who denies that or teaches outside of that is not teaching the truth, right? And you can usually tell if you watch those folks, if you listen to the people who are teaching you, um, you can tell because what they say, like if they're not teaching the truth, it won't gel with the scriptures, right? I love it when I watch like TV preachers who will pick out one verse and they'll read half of it and then they'll talk for two hours about half a verse, And it makes you wonder, well, look, if what you're saying is in the Bible, why don't you read more of it? Right? That's actually the reason why I go verse by verse. Because I want to demonstrate what I'm teaching, it's there. I ain't pulling this out of my ear. Right? Um, The other thing is you can watch how they, like, like, they say things. If somebody teaches you and they say a bunch of things that you know aren't true, like aren't scripture, aren't biblical, there's a good sign that they're not telling you the truth. Mark doesn't believe personal stories about me. He just doesn't. Anything that's crazy, and I got a lot of crazy personal stories that are true, but he looks at me, he's like, nope, I ain't buying it. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I don't believe it at all. This is years later. Why? Because he learned a lesson, right? Um, I bought a pie when I first moved here. I was walking home from the medical center, and there was a hutter right there, and he had a big, long table full of baked goods. And I walked up, and he had one pie left. And I said, what kind of pie is that? And he said, that's a strawberry rhubarb pie. Man, I love, love strawberry rhubarb pie. I love it so much, I walked to the bank to get cash so I could come back and I could buy that pie. 
And, and I brought that pie home and I didn't eat it until after dinner. I like held it away so that I could anticipate. You know what I'm talking about? That joy that comes with not eating something right away so you can think about eating it. And I sliced that, that strawberry rhubarb pie and the first thing I noticed was it was yellow. Yellow. Guess what? It wasn't a strawberry rhubarb pie. It took me about six bites to figure out what it was. It was pineapple, canned pineapple. And I, I was trying to eat it, and I gave a bite to Abby. She was about two at the time, or maybe three. She took the, She stood there with her mouth open because she saw me with pie. I put the pie in her mouth. She walked out of the room. She came back and gave it back to me. <laughs> Guess how many pies I've bought from Hutterite since then? None. <laughs> Um, not that all Hutterites are liars, but man, that one, right? He got me. He saw me coming. He sold me the nastiest pie I've ever had. And what was even worse was I was anticipating something amazing. And what I got was something that was garbage, right? And actually, this is why, this is why folks who preach like outside of the scriptures are particularly horrible, Right. Anybody who calls you in and says, listen, I'm going to give you God's truth. I'm going to give you cold, clean water on a hot, parched day. And then they give you give me, you know, a message says, give me money and God will bless you. That person is cheating you. They're selling you a pie that's full of canned pineapple or something worse. And such a person, because they're denying the truth of the gospel, they're denying the truth that Jesus died for us. That the only way we can be saved, the only salvation we have from our sin, the only deliverance from our own wickedness is in Christ. Anybody who teaches that is an antichrist, is a contrary to Christ, is an enemy of Jesus. And it's not to be taken lightly. There are folks who teach lightly. I did it for years and now I'm kind of scared when I teach because I realize like what I'm giving you guys, right? What I'm giving you guys is either truth, it's either good, it's either holy and worth having, or it's bad, and I'm cheating you. And I think Jesus said it best when he said, uh, anybody who leads one of my children astray, it would be better that they have a millstone tied around their neck and go swimming in the sea than to face me on the last day. Right? And it's the truth. I mean, like, the truth, what we are about is Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for you. I love it when um, um, Nathan leads worship, because Nathan, like this morning, every song was, right, um, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other name I know, or no other what, nothing but the blood of Jesus, I know the chorus, um, <laughs> but I mean, that it's this, and I'm not saying any of our other worship leaders don't do that, don't hear me, I just, Nathan, it always stands out to me, every time, it's like, every song is about Jesus, every song is about Jesus, every song, and it drives home, again, not that our other guys don't do that, it just for some reason, when Nathan does it, it just stands out in my head. Um, if it, excuse me, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Meaning what John himself, John who was Jesus' like best friend, right? Jesus referred to John as the disciple I loved, meaning my closest disciple. He was particularly affectionate of him. Um, like John himself told these guys this stuff. What you heard from the beginning remains in you. Don't look for fake truth. Don't change it to fit the fads. Stick with the truth of the gospel that I gave you, the truth of the gospel given in the scriptures. If 
If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. Meaning, if you hold on to this truth, if you live it, if it becomes a part of who you are, if you walk in this truth in relationship with God, like like intimacy with the Father, with the Son, like like this gives us eternal life. And that's not just, oh, I died and I came back. Like, like that is now. That is, I'm in relationship with Jesus now, and I'm being made new. My heart is being transformed now. I can look at the world around me and see it in light of eternity, right? Um, one of the best books I've read this last couple of years was uh, by Francis Chan, uh, You and Me Forever. It's about marriage in light of eternity. And I had never stopped to think that my wife will probably live forever, right? And my children will live forever. And how I follow Jesus and teach them about Jesus and lead them to Jesus will affect their forever, But that's something to take seriously, isn't it? Um, Remaining true in this teaching, it's eternal life. It is forever. Last two verses, and I'll um, finish up way earlier than John did. Um, (laughs) Not John the Apostle. (laughs) I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive, meaning the Holy Spirit filling you, your baptism, your making new, you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Meaning like the Holy Spirit has taught you, you know the truth, you are there. You don't need these people to try and like change your direction. Try to give you some secret truth that you can buy off them or whatever. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as... Just as as it has taught you, um, remain in him. So what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, the Holy Spirit has directed you. Watch this. Watch this. It's important to understand this. This is not an emotional thing. The Holy Spirit is not, I hear this and it makes me happy, right? Because sometimes you hear the truth and the truth hurts. Anybody ever heard like something that was in the scriptures and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want that to be true. Oh my gosh, I guess I can't live the way I've been living. Oh my gosh, I better get right now because there's a problem. Or, oh my gosh, I'm going to cover my ears like a child and try and get by. Um, Like, the Holy Spirit, what he teaches us, isn't about feeling good. It's not about burning in your chest, which might be indigestion. It's about properly understanding the scriptures God has given us. Properly understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus died for us. That we're called to obey out of relationship, not out of earning our way into heaven, because you can't earn your way into heaven, right? Um, my challenge for you this week, this is an odd one to challenge, isn't it? Um, as we go on out of here, as we, as we back up and look at this, ask yourself, um, is this truth like that I've learned, is this something I cherish? Is this something I value? Is this something I understand clearly enough that I, I can tell the difference between somebody lying and somebody not? Um, am I careful about who I'm listening to the truth from, right? Mark learned an important lesson from me, right? If you listen to Eric enough, he might trick you. I'm not doing that this morning. <laughs> I promise. Gosh, this is a really self-undermining sermon now that I think about it. <laughs> We hit the reset button. Um, <laughs> um, Mark learned a lesson, right? Don't believe Eric's stories, right? Um, I'm telling you, if you know the gospel, nobody can trick you. If you know the teachings of Jesus, nobody can trick you. 
It's the truth. If you know that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose again, we cannot earn salvation. It is a gift given at the cross. Like, if you know that truth and you keep that core, you can't be tricked. You can't be led astray. Like, but you've got to stick with it. My challenge to you is, like, have you? Is this a part of who you are, or is it something that's window dressing? Right? Um, is it a truth that goes to the core of you? Um, or is it just, is it like a jacket you put on Sunday morning and take off, you know, when you're done? Like, where does it land? What is it in you? Who are you, in, like, at the core of yourself? Um, it, no, we're not God in the core of ourselves, but we belong to him. We're going to close in prayer, and I'll let you all be. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us. I pray that you would uh, help us to know you more intimately. Help us to keep focused on, the, on the, the word of God in our hearts. Help us to know the word of God like to know the truth. Um, and Lord God, I pray that you would give us discernments. When we encounter false teachers, we encounter folks who are teaching something that ain't the gospel, um, teaching something that ain't from Christ, trying to lead us astray with, with shiny new teaching or, or um, earn-it-yourself theology or, or like some lie about Jesus being the lottery that we can win if we just try hard enough. Lord God, help us to see the truth in those things. Help us to walk faithfully with you. Um, I pray that anybody who's here who doesn't know you, that you would pierce their hearts, that you would prompt them to, to, to make, you know, make it a decision, make it a lifestyle to follow you. Um, in Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Quick reminder, give me some feedback.